Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast where we dig into God's Word together and find life through Jesus Christ. My name is Ben Blakey. It's Tuesday, the 8th of December, 2020. Don't give me something green if you want it to live. I am not very good at taking care of, of plants. Uh, my history with them is it's, it's probably going to die. It's usually not if, it's, it's a matter of when. Back in that wonderful period of 2020, maybe not so wonderful, when we couldn't gather together and we were filming church services in my living room on uh, Saturday mornings to prepare them for Sundays, uh, some ladies in the church, they, they wanted to make some things look a little better. And so they, they put a bunch of different house plants up on those bookshelves that were behind me and behind the worship team, if you remember those videos. And I even heard of one uh, one family um, in the church that each week before the, the service was online, they would take some bets amongst themselves on the over-under how many houseplants were going to be in the camera shot on uh, on Sunday morning, right? But one thing I made clear to those ladies were, hey, if you want these houseplants to be in the camera shot, you are also going to have to... F- figure out how to care for them. Because if it's left up to me, we're going to have these wilting, dying plants behind me for church, which probably isn't the vibe we're going for. Uh, so they did. They made sure those plants uh, stayed alive because I, I do not have a green thumb. I'm not much of a, a gardener or a botanist. Um, that's just never been my, my thing. I don't know the key to uh, making plants flourish. Okay. Well, Jesus, he knows the key to making souls flourish, and he uses somewhat of an agricultural gardening analogy uh, here in our reading today in John chapter 15, John chapter 15, verses 1 through 17, and this is where Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches, and his father is the, the gardener, the vine dresser, and he uses this illustration. And it it reminds us, well, how do we thrive? How can we flourish spiritually? We don't want to be like plants that I take care of that just wither up and die. We want to be like the plants that those women took care of. In the camera shot of our online church services, we want to flourish. We want to be green and prospering and, and all of these things. So how do we do it? Well, Jesus gives us a key phrase, and we see it at the beginning of verse 4 when he says, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Right, So there he makes it very clear, abiding in him. And even just think, you know, the grapes, they're going to grow because they're connected to the vine, right? Once they're plucked and they're sitting on the uh, the shelves of the grocery store in bags, right? They're, they're not growing anymore. Uh, they're not producing any more grapes because they're disconnected from the vine. So Jesus makes it clear the connection to the vine is the key to flourishing. And he even puts it pretty straightforward here. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So the key to us flourishing in this life is that we are connected to the vine. 
that we are abiding in him. Now, that sounds nice. What does it mean? What does that mean that we should be abiding in him? Well, we we see some things here. One, he he talks about keeping his commandments. Uh, He says, if you keep my commandments in verse 10, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept the Father's commandments and abide in his love. So one way we abide in him is by doing what he says, trusting him to do what he says, not straying from that and figuring it out on our own. Another thing he says in verse seven is if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So there we see some common elements that that I think are fundamentals of the Christian life being in the word, which really, I love how this states it, The goal isn't even so much us being in the word. The goal is that the word would be in us, right? And and that's one of the reasons why we do this podcast even is so it's not just you checking something off the list, but we want to dig in together. We want to help you get more out of the Bible because the goal is that the Bible is living in us, that, that we've drank it in so deeply that it's a part of us, that it dominates the way we think and feel. And then we also see prayer right here in this passage. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And again, that's one thing. Let's not, you know, oh, well, there's a lot of exceptions to that. No, let's let's lean into what Jesus says, that prayer is more powerful than we realize. And again, the problem is usually us, right? That we don't know how to pray as we ought to. But being committed to obedience, letting God's word abide in us will make us probably more effective prayers. Um, And so we want to see that as well. And we need to realize we're not going to do anything um, without God. And so even as we talk often at, at our church about reaching, teaching, and training people for Christ, as we think about that, we have to remember, we have to remember that we can't accomplish any of that and bear that kind of fruit without abiding in the vine. So even as you seek to serve others, we're never going to be able to do that without abiding in Christ, letting his word abide in us, being faithful to pray, faithful to obey. These are the keys to flourishing. And that's something I've found. I mean, you start to feel like, oh, what do you know? The pastor's telling me to read my Bible and pray. Um, Just even years of ministry, encouraging people. I've found that, you know, these fundamental things like this, they don't solve all of your problems. It's not, hey, read your Bible and pray and you won't struggle at all. No, but there's no replacing these fundamental things. And so many times when I'm dealing with with people that life has completely gotten off the track, they have gotten away from these fundamentals, uh, right? These the fundamentals are essential for Christian maturity. These fundamentals by themselves won't magically make you mature, but there's no way you will be mature. There is no way you will flourish without these things. So remember and renew your commitment to obeying God's word and make your goal even in listening to this podcast and spending time in the word yourselves, not that you would be in the word, but that the word would be in you. Now, as we talk about prayer, we see some other great examples 
of that uh, and some things that we can learn about that in a couple other passages. First, we see Psalm 140 verses 1 through 5. And here he's praying for protection and deliverance from evil people. And that's a a good reminder for us that we are in a dangerous world. There are evil people that want to do evil things, that are planning evil things in their heart and stirring up wars continually. But we have a place that we can go to pray. And even that's something when we look around the world in a year like 2020, there's There's no shortage of things to be concerned about, but we have a place to take all of those concerns, and that is to the Lord. So that's a good reminder for us. But also we were reminded that we need to pray with humility, and we're going to read one of the greatest prayers, I believe, in all of the scriptures today as we look at Daniel chapters 9 and 10. And Daniel prays in chapter 9, and I think it is a model for how Christians should pray. And I would encourage you to read this prayer slowly, thoughtfully, and see um, to see how he does it, right? I mean, we've clearly seen Daniel is a righteous guy. He's a man of conviction. He won't bend to the pressures of society, even if it means getting thrown into the lion's den. But here he comes in prayer for his nation. And wow, there is so much humility in what he prays. He's not coming on his high horse, looking down on his nation, asking for God to have mercy on them. No, he is asking for mercy, including himself. And it's amazing how humble he is in this prayer and how he cries. And I love even how it ends where he's saying in verse 18, Oh my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations and the city that is called by your name. For we do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness, but because of your great mercy. Guys, I don't know if any of us speaking or listening to this podcast right now are, are more righteous than Daniel. He, he's clearly a hero of the faith, but he's not coming in saying, God, remember when I prayed anyways and they threw me in the lion's den? Remember when I wouldn't defile myself with the king's food? He says, no, God, it's not based on our righteousness, but because of your great mercy. Oh, Lord, hear O Lord, forgive, O Lord, pay attention and act, delay not for your own sake, O my God, because your city and your people are called by your name. What a model for prayer, coming humbly on behalf of his nation and seeking God, seeking God's mercy, seeking God's name. I mean, we have a lot of things to pray for, for our nation about. And this is a good example. Let's not just pray for our nation from our own high high horse. Let's remember that we are sinners. Let's beg God for his mercy. And let's pray even, God, I don't want you to turn around this nation so it's more comfortable for me. I want you to do it, God, for your name's sake, because I want to see your name honored. I want to see your name lifted up and praised. There's a lot of other interesting things in our Daniel reading today that we're a little limited on time with, but 
that one passage that's very interesting is verses 24 through 27, where there's this prophecy about the 70 weeks. And just with the little time that we have to discuss it, I want to point out that you should think of these 70 weeks as weeks of years. Really, the idea is it's 70 sevens. And we instantly, when we hear week, think of days. But I think it's clear from this passage that is referring to uh, 70 sevens, and those sevens are groups of seven years. And it's actually amazing. You, you dig into, and if you have a good study Bible, I'd encourage you to look at the notes on this, but you see the timing of this prophecy is actually amazingly, mind-blowingly accurate. That when we look at, and we do all the math and calculate the timing that it says, you know, it leads all the way up from this decree that it talks about to Jesus entering Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. And it's amazing how that all works out there, that at the end of the 69th week, you know, it talks about there's there's seven weeks and then there's 62 weeks. And it says, and after the 62 weeks, an anointed one shall be cut off and shall have nothing. And there we see a reference really to the death of Christ. But then it talks about this 70th week. And it does seem there's some things here that suggest that there's a gap before this 70th seven. And that's one of the reasons why when we look ahead at a time of tribulation between some things that we've already seen in Daniel and some of the things we see in Revelation, it seems that there's clearly talking about some seven-year period uh, that, that, that is going to happen. And here, this is where we think of even a peace treaty and a political leader known as the Antichrist making that as he makes a strong covenant with many for one week. And for half of that week, he shall put an end to offering and sacrifice, uh, right? That the second half of that, the, the temple that seems to, that will be rebuilt will be put out of commission. And, and We'll see more of that in the book of Revelation. And speaking of the book of Revelation, let's turn there now for Revelation chapter 11, where we're today we're looking at the first 14 verses, where it talks about these two witnesses. And it refers to them as two olive trees and two lampstands. I'd encourage you to go to Zechariah 3 and 4 and see some parallels there with Zerubbabel and uh, Joshua, people that were instrumental in the return and the rebuilding of Jerusalem. Um, and there's lots of speculation, hey, who are these two witnesses going to be? But it seems clear that uh, I, I take it to be two men that will be around in this seven-year period witnessing and bearing witness to the truth. And, and so I, I want us to see, even as we look forward to, and we're looking at this time of tribulation and, and can be a confusing time to get your head around, one thing that I think we see clearly here in Revelation is God will still be working. We've seen the 144,000 from the different tribes of Israel. Now we see these two witnesses. And I think it's a good reminder for us that even though we might not be able to understand everything about the future, one thing is clear, God will always completely be in control and he will have his ways of accomplishing his work. And that's a good reminder for us that it is not all up to us. God is in control And may that bring us back to how am I going to flourish by figuring it all out and doing it all myself? No, by abiding in Christ, by remaining in the vine, by letting his word abide in me. And I hope today has helped you do that. 
Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.